Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com. A couple of weeks ago, uh, my neighbor Dave put a picture up on Facebook and uh, said he was out flying in his plane, and I instantly thought, I didn't know he owned a plane, so I did what many of us do when we want to ask for something but don't really want to ask for something. I pretended I was kidding and said, hey, let me know when you want to take me up in that plane, obviously saying, please take me up in your plane. And, uh, and so uh, a few weeks later, uh, he understood how desperate I was, I think, and, and he, uh, he, he walked down to our house, and I wasn't home, but he said to Kristen, he's like, hey, I'm going up in the plane in a few minutes if, if Mark would want to go. And so Kristen called me, and she's like, Dave's going up in the plane in 15 minutes, get home. And, uh, and so I, I want you to know, I, I love you all. I, I feel privileged to have my job as the pastor of this church. I love our church. I love our new office. But I have never left a work day so fast in all my life. And so I, I literally ran to the car, like just carrying my book bag and like dragging it in the parking lot. I was so excited. I'm like, I'm going up in a plane, you know. And, and I, I drove home and I, I peeled out, I think, in the parking lot. And it was not the most mature moment of my life. But uh, like 30 minutes later after this call, we're, we're driving over South Hilliard, right? And we're, we're circling over my house and we're up in the sky. Uh, and it was it was just an incredible experience. And a, and a few minutes into that, Dave said, hey, you want to you wanna steer this thing? And uh, first I thought he was talking to someone else. Then I was like, oh, there's only two of us in the plane. Okay, he's, he's talking to me. And, and so uh, I don't know if that was legal or if that was supposed to happen. But uh, he's like, here, you just kind of do this and do this. And so I, I grabbed the, I want to call it a wheel, but I'm not smart enough. I don't think it is. I don't know what it was, right? I just grabbed the steering wheel. And uh, I'm driving and, and he said, you, uh, you realize we're really going to the left and kind of headed toward the ground, right? And I was like, no, I didn't realize that, but I appreciate you telling me, and I'll try to get better at this driving thing, right? And so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm learning this, and, and we're driving, but it was, it was just an incredible day because we're up. It was, it was a, a beautiful fall day. There was no wind. The, the sky was perfectly clear, and I'm looking down at my house, and I, I told the boys that we were going to fly over the house, and so they're in the backyard, like, jumping and waving, and they're like little specks down there, and, and I could see them, but it was, it was so cool just to be up there and, and to celebrate that, and, and I... I I just felt alive, you know? It was, it was one of those moments where I'm like, man, I should do this every day. This is so fun. Why can't I, why can't I do this every day? And I realized it's because you don't own a plane, Mark. That's why you can't, you can't do this every day. But it, it, it felt so good. And I don't know if, if you've been up in a plane and looked down on your house and your family recently. Maybe not. Maybe you're terrified of heights or terrified of, of flying. But I'm, I'm sure you've had some sort of moment where you felt alive. Maybe, maybe it was when you finally got up the courage to, to ask that girl out and she said yes. Maybe it was when you got the, the promotion that you had been waiting on. Maybe it was a, the birth of a, of a child. Maybe it was when the Buckeyes hired Urban Meyer. I know that was kind of a spiritual moment for me, right? And so uh, there, there are moments that we, we just look and we step back at life and we realize that, that we're so alive. And, and one of the reasons that we realize sometimes that we're alive is because we have to admit that there are other moments where we, where we don't feel alive, right? Where we feel like we're just going through the motions, Sometimes we're awakened to the fact that life is great and God has given us life and, and life is worth living. And so we want to discuss that topic today. We've been talking about some different awakenings over the last couple of weeks in this series. This series is, is called Finding Your Way Back to God. And when we started this series, we talked about uh, an awakening to longing where we discover our longings for, for love and purpose and, and meaning. 
Our second week, we talked about the fact that sometimes we awaken to regret. We look back over the course of our life, and and we regret the things we have done. We regret the things that have happened. And and we realize that sometimes our regret puts us in a a sorry cycle of longing and regret, and we drive ourselves down, and we we feel depressed. And yet there's there's another awakening that can happen out of that, and that's an awakening to help. There are moments that out of our regret, we realize that, that we need something, that we need someone. And when we admit that, that we're powerless, when we admit that we're not in control, we discover that there is help, and help has a name, and, and his name is, is Jesus. And, and last week uh, in the series, we talked about awakening to love. We talked about the, the fact that God loves us deeply, and as we discover our identity in him and who we were created to be in him, we can realize that we're an unconditionally accepted child of God. And so this week, we want to talk about awakening to life. We want to talk about uh, awakening to realizing what God is doing around us and what he wants to do in us. And I feel like we got to see a small taste of that today. I already mentioned that. But what an incredible reminder to see people who are saying, my life is found in Jesus. My life is anchored in Jesus. And I don't, I don't care who sees that today. I want to I shout that to my friends, to my family, to my neighbors, to my church. Baptism, as, as Sarah mentioned, is symbolic of people going from death to life, of pe- people feeling awake. And those moments that we talked about, those moments where we feel alive, are moments that remind us that there's more, remind us that life is, is meant to be lived. Life is meant to be enjoyed, and, and life is meant to be full of God. And so we've talked about a different prayer each week. We've talked about a prayer, something that we can pray as we're awakening to who God is and what he wants to do in our life and in our heart. And the the prayer of this awakening is simply this. God, if you are real, make yourself real to me. Awaken in me the confidence that I can live a brand new life. There are some of us in this room that would say as we look at our life, we look at the state of our life, we look at our relationships, that we're not happy about who we are or where we are. And we would say that we want a new life. Some of us would say that, that we have a new life, but there are times and moments we don't feel life. We don't feel like things are awake, like things are moving and things are going somewhere. And so I want to point us to a passage of scripture today. It's John chapter 10. John chapter 10. If you've got a Bible, you can, you can turn there. If you don't know, there's probably a Bible under your seat or the seat next to you. We, we like to sneak them in there and hide them and, and so that you can look up this, this passage with us. We're going to be on page 819, John chapter 10, verse 10. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, uh, we would love for you to take one of the Bibles that's under your seat home with you today. We know that, that God has given us the Bible to, to speak to us, to tell us who He is, to encourage us in life, and we want you to have a copy of God's Word to study. And so feel free to, to take that home today. We're going to be in John chapter 10, verse 10, and I want to read this out loud to you and, and tie this into our purpose today as we talk about awakening to life. This is Jesus talking in verse 10, and he says this on page 819. The thief's purpose, he's talking about Satan, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Sounds like a pretty nice guy, this Satan, right? No, he's trying to distract us and take us off track and and ruin our lives and and take our focus off, off of God. But Jesus says this, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. He goes on to say this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. 
And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for money and doesn't really care about the sheep. That passage is saying that that Jesus came and gave his life so that we could have a rich and abundant life. And and he he has known us as a shepherd-nosed sheep. He has cared for us and he has loved us. He compares himself to, to a hired hand. Now, some of you might be from suburbia. Often, many of you have grown up on farms, so maybe you know what a hired hand is. As I read that passage this week, I don't know why, but I just sat in my office and I started laughing, and I was thinking about some of the hired hands that I've known uh, growing up. I'm from up in the, the Worcester area, and so uh, many of my friends grew up on farms, many of them still farm, and I realized that, that several of their, their families employed hired hands through the years. Uh, here are some of the, the names of hired hands that I knew. These are, these are, I hope, nicknames, but this is what I knew them as. Uh, one of them was named Chuckles. That was just, that was, that was all, all you knew, right? And so it's, it's hard to respect a man that's named Chuckles, right? And so they'd always be like, Chuckles, let the cows out again. These are my neighbors. They'd always talk about this guy. Uh, my, my friend Mike, they had a hired hand that they simply called Stink. I don't, I don't know if that was because of his line of work, but like, I, this guy would come to basketball games, he'd be like, there's Stink. Like, they would introduce him as that. And so uh, sometimes these hired hands weren't, uh, weren't looked upon as, as being great at their job, right? And this passage says that sometimes if something doesn't belong to you, you're not really going to give your life. You're not really going to take care of it. And so these hired hands were farming for a paycheck, but they didn't really care about the end product. And Jesus is saying, I'm the shepherd. These sheep belong to me. And these are sheep that, that I care about, that I, that I gave my life for, that I love, that I want to protect. That first, that first verse says this. It says, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus is saying that he wants us to have a rich and satisfying life and he's going to do whatever he has to do and he's done whatever he had to do to take care of us and to provide that. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. What do you think of when you, when you think of abundant life? What do you think of when you think of, of life to the full? Because I, I tend to think of more, right? Just Things and, and, and stuff. I think even in our culture, we think that. This week, uh, someone gave us a, a bag of Doritos that they, they didn't want or something. I was looking at it, and it said 25% more, but the part that said 25% more was like 60% of the bag, and I was like, I think this is a, a marketing scheme here, right? And as Americans, we often want that. We're like, I'll take 25% more. I'll take more money in my 401k. I'll take a raise. I, I think uh, without admitting it this morning, most of us are probably already starting to think, how am I going to spend that tax return that I'm going to get in a few weeks, right? You're, you're starting to think about, how, how, can I get, how can I get rid of that money? How can I spend it? We, we love more. We love excess. We, we love things. And yet, as Jesus says, I came to give you a rich and satisfying life. I came to give you life and life to the full. I don't think he was talking about giving us 11 more percent of life. I think he was talking about something greater than that. He was talking about giving us a fullness of life. He was talking about giving us a richness to life that we often miss, we often don't understand. In the original language that this passage was written in, there are two words for life. One of those words is bios, and it's the root word for biology, which makes me nervous because that was one of the worst grades I ever got, but please, please stick with me here. It's the root word for, for biology, and, and bios just means this, it means natural life. It can also refer to a chronological life. And so the average bios of, of us as people, the average life of us as people in that, in that sense, features 250,000 hours of sleep. 
It features 76,000 meals and 200,000 trips to the bathroom. And all of, all of those things are part of a, a bios life. Much of it can feel like we're just going through life and going through the motions and, and doing things. Because that's what bios means. But there's another kind of life. There's another word that's used uh, in scripture for life. And that word is, is zoe. Zoe includes a bios kind of life. But it also goes way beyond that. It also goes far beyond just tasks and things and, and quantity and, and more of the same. Zoe, a Zoe life is about quality. The quality of life that only comes from, from knowing God. And so a Zoe life refers to eternal life. The kind of life that, that you and I were made to experience. The kind of life that we were made to know. But, but Zoe life is also about the quality of life that God has for us right now. And so in that passage in John 10, when Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, guess which kind of life he's talking about? He's not talking about the kind that involves sleep and, and trips to the bathroom, all right? That's your, that's your hint right there. He's talking about the quality of life, the richness of life that he wants to give us, the richness of life that he wants to provide for us when we find our way back to God. That's when we discover the Zoe life. And so all throughout this series, all throughout these last weeks, we've been talking about the story of the prodigal son. That's already been referenced this morning. It's the story of a son who, who decided that he didn't like the life he had and the emotions and the things he was going through. And he went to his father and said, let me have my inheritance now. I'm going to go off and I'm going to have a good time. And I'm going to seek out the things that I don't know and the things that I haven't had in my life. And so I want to read this to you. This is Luke 15, verses 11 to 12. This is what we see in the beginning of that story as the son asks for his inheritance and as he runs off. It says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And so we've been looking over this story, we've been looking at different aspects of this story for the last couple of weeks and looking at the story of this lost son, but I want to point out uh, something today. I want to point out the fact that, that in this story we can see a contrast between bios and Zoe life playing out, and it's reflected in the, in the Greek word that's translated there as, as property, when this guy says to his dad, I want my share of your estate, I want my share of your property, depending on the translation you're reading. He asks for his stuff. And so it, it says that it's translated there to the word bios, and it literally, as you would look at that passage and, and kind of spill it out, it's saying the father divided his life between them. This, this guy had two sons. One of them comes and says, give me my stuff. I want to take off. And it's, it's translated that this father divided his life between his sons. But it's talking about a, a bios life, a life that, that goes through the motions because the things that his dad was giving him, the, those things were related to money and to, to cattle and to property and to houses. And so it's almost by, by using that word as if, if the author and as if the dad is saying, I'll give you the stuff that you want right now. I'll give you the land and the status and the money and the things that you think are a big deal. I'll give you those things. But guess what? That bios, that's going to run out. You're going to find out that it's empty. And it's almost as if at the beginning of this story, when the son ran away, he knew, yeah, you can pursue this, this bios life, but guess what? You're going to realize that it doesn't mean anything. And there's a different kind of life. There's, there's not a quantity of life, but a quality of life, a Zoe life, that you're going to return to, that you're going to desire, that you're going to find that your heart wants. Because we know that, that more 
that a bios life, that, that finding things and, and pursuing stuff eventually runs empty. But a quality of life, a richness of life that Jesus offers us when he says, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full is really the life that we need, the life that we want, and the life that we desire. Right before Jesus told this story, if you've ever had a chance to read the rest of this chapter in Luke 15, there are some other stories I just want to highlight. The first story is about a man who has a hundred sheep and, and loses one. And so he leaves his other sheep and he goes to look for that sheep. And it says this, he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my sheep. And so there's something lost and something found. There's a second story in this chapter and it's about a woman who loses a valuable coin and she looks and looks for it and when she finds it, the Bible says this, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. And after those two stories comes this story of this chapter, the third story, the story of the lost son, the prodigal son who ran away. And we see that, that as this son has run away and as he realized that this life that he's pursued feels empty and, and runs dry and he begins to think, can I go home to my father? Can I return to him? Can I go back to the life I knew and the life that I ultimately want and desire now? The passage says this, as the, as the son nears his home, his father runs to him to welcome him home. Then he calls everyone together to make an announcement, much like those other stories. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. And so I don't know if you're noticing a theme there. I hope you are if you're still awake and you're paying attention, right? But there, there, there was something that was lost and there was something that was found in all of those stories. And when the lost sheep is found, people celebrate. When the lost coin is found, people celebrate. And when the lost son is found, it happens again. People celebrate. The news goes out. What was lost is now found and it's time to celebrate. And so if, if you found your way back to God, if you found your way back to God, if you would describe that there was a time in my life that I was lost, but now I am found in Jesus. I know who I am. I understand that he gave his life for me and I want to live my life for him. That's worth celebrating. You've been given purpose and you've been given hope and you've been given a reason to live. You have a reason to embrace a life that I would say is not a biased life, but is a Zoe life, a full life a quality of life and a fullness of life. And so if we want to embrace a Zoe kind of life, I think that we need to party at the lost and found. All of these stories are people saying, where was that coin? I found it. Where was my son? I found it. Where is my sheep? I found it. And it's a celebration when lost things are found. That's one of the reasons that Movement Church exists so that we can weekly and quarterly, and daily, and yearly celebrate that through Jesus, lost people are being found. That's something that we want to be in the business of doing, and we want to be in the business of regularly celebrating. We get together every week, and we do that so that people can know who God is, and what he's doing in our lives, and our hearts, but as we see people regularly taking steps of obedience, as we see people regularly giving their lives to Jesus, regularly saying, I was lost, but now I'm found, that's something that we want to celebrate. That's one of the ingredients of a Zoe life, of a full life, of a quality of life that we feel we can only find in Jesus, to celebrate when things that were lost are found. That's why we exist. That's why we get together. That's why we do what we do. That's why we're here today. Another ingredient of a Zoe life that I think is, is very important, and it's this. 
There's a guy named Edward Hollowell who's a researcher at Harvard Medical School. And a while back, he discovered that two of the most powerful and meaningful experiences in life are achieving or reaching a goal, accomplishing something you've been striving for, and connecting or relating to someone in a significant way. And so according to this guy, our society is becoming more and more obsessed with achieving while at the same time becoming increasingly bankrupt when it comes to connecting. Achieving is something that we all want to do. Achieving is something we strive for, and yet it has no end. What, what achievement is enough? What's the achievement that you can say, all right, I'm good. I've done my, my thing here. I think everyone knows I'm awesome. I heard a quote this week that someone asked Tom Brady, what's your favorite Super Bowl that you've won? And he always says, the next one. This is a guy that's considered maybe to be the greatest person to ever play his sport or his position, and he's always wanting the next thing. He could look back and say, hey, I think I already won one of those Super Bowls. I'm pretty good. And yet we always want more. We always want to achieve. And we always overlook connecting, finding significant, meaningful relationships with people. That's one of the things that Jesus gives us in a Zoe life. And so we, we have two ways here as a church that we do that. And you'll hear us regularly talk about these. But I want you to know that these are not just things that we do because churches do them. We're doing these because we, we feel that they're part of God's recipe for his church and part of the way that he wants to offer us a Zoe life. And the first thing that, that we offer for a Zoe life is this. We offer groups called movement groups. Now, these groups are, are groups that, that meet often weekly. They, they look at the Bible together. They study the Bible together. They pray together. Many of them eat meals. They hang out together. They share life, and they encourage each other. These groups are, are not perfect. The people that are in them are not perfect. How do I know? Because I'm in one and I'm not perfect. I don't want to talk for any of you, but I know that about myself, right? But these groups exist for a reason. Because as, as we get to be around other people who know Jesus, Scripture tells us that those people have gifts and that those people show us Jesus in new ways that, that we don't often see. We're told that we're able to see the image of God in new and interesting ways, in different ways, as we spend time with his people and experience their gifts, and so as we're in community with others, we're seeing who God is, and we're seeing his goodness for us, and we're being grown, and we're able to turn around and, and love others and help them mature and help them grow. And so connection, being in a group is not just something that we do because, well, churches are supposed to do that. I think they usually put it on their website, and then people get together and read the Bible out loud, and they do that for like an hour a week. No, it's something that we do because it's significant, because it offers connection, because it offers us a way that we can see God and know God in the relationships and the friendships that he's gifted us with. It's one of the things that makes up a full Zoe life. Another way that we offer connection is for volunteer teams here. Now, some people think that, that volunteer sounds like mandatory community service or jury duty, like, yeah, I gotta go work at church today because someone has to be in the back changing diapers. It's miserable. And yet we're told that Jesus has given us gifts. God has given us gifts. And when we use those gifts, we're able to respond to his gift. and We're able to worship him. And so there are people who filled this baptism tank today. And, and there was probably a moment that they were thinking like, this water's kind of gross. I wonder who's going to take this water out. But what they were contributing to by using their gifts, by providing service, they were letting others take a step of obedience. They were giving someone a, a fence post in their faith so that they can make a commitment today and be encouraged and encourage others. Someone set up the chairs that you're sitting on today. 
Someone is watching my kids back that hallway right now. I hope they're behaving, but it's really 50-50. But, but someone is investing in them. And last week in Movement Kids, right after the service, someone, someone texted me and said there was a child that gave their life to Jesus today. That's because of the investment of someone, of their, of their talent That's because of the investment that someone said, God has given me a heart for kids and a passion for kids, and I want to make sure that they know who Jesus is and how much he loves them. That's another way that we connect, because when we give our gifts, when we serve with our gifts, we're spending time with people. We're rubbing shoulders with people, and we're able to see in different ways and different angles who God is. There are people in this room that have gifts that I don't have. You might be a singer, you might not be a singer, but when you see someone use the gift that that you don't have, You can see who God is. As we serve alongside each other, as we give our talents, we experience a Zoe life. We experience a quality of life. We experience the fullness of the body of Christ that God designed us to experience, the fullness of life that God wanted us to have. There's another way that we experience a Zoe life. We celebrate when lost people are found, we get together as, as God's people, we celebrate, we connect in groups, we connect by, by volunteering, but we also want to change the world with the gospel. We regularly communicate that Jesus came to this world and gave his life because we have sin and, and things in our lives and in our hearts that have distanced us from God and he came and gave his life to build a bridge so that we could know God the Father, so that we could have relationship with God the Father, so that we could experience a fullness of life. And if we were to keep that to ourselves, if we were to not tell that to others, to not share that, that would be selfish. That would be wrong. And so we regularly communicate that. That's what a Zoe life is. As you communicate the goodness that's in your life, you're more conscious of it. Scripture tells us that, that your faith is never more sure than when you're sharing that with others. And so we regularly do serving events in the community and different things, not so that we can just hand people some money or not just so that we can do things and say, hey, I hope your life gets better, hope it works out. We do that so that we can build a bridge to families and to people and that we can share the gospel and invest that in them. We have a church planning partnership in Haiti so that we can invest the gospel into that country and be a part of seeing it it grow and be a part of seeing it restored to what it was. A full life in Jesus has many things, but we believe it's a life that, that celebrates. We believe it's a life that connects with people. We believe it's a life that, that changes the world and speaks the gospel. This series has, has been about that. There are many, many different things that people have awakened to in this series. Some people for the first time have said, I want to trust Jesus. Some people have said, I've walked away from Jesus. I want to experience a, a life and a relationship with him again consistently. Some people took a step of baptism today and said, Lord, I want to know you and I want my friends and my family and my church to hold me accountable to that. But what I want to offer you today is not a quantity of life, not more things and and more stuff and something to check off your to-do list. I want to offer you the fullness of life that is only found in Jesus. So I'm not sure if one of those things stood out in your mind. Maybe you've said, you know what? I haven't... I haven't been regularly in the act of celebrating. I go to church when I can. I go to church if it's convenient. I go to church if I'm not feeling tired. But I want to regularly celebrate the fact that I was lost and now I'm found. And I want to regularly celebrate the fact that there are people who were lost and and now they're found. Maybe it's a renewed commitment to the Sunday morning gathering, to being around other Christians and encouraging your heart. 
Maybe it's for the first time saying, you know, I have a relationship with Jesus, but, but I've, I've needed more. I've wanted something. Maybe it's for the first time realizing that you need to be in spiritual community. You need to join a movement group. That's, that's not something that I get a salary bonus if I talk six more people into it or anything like that. But there have been moments where I've been on staff at churches and yet I felt alone and felt like I didn't know anyone. And so I believe in those groups and I believe in sharing life with people and I believe in getting together with people and being encouraged and praying with them. If that's something that you feel that God wants you to do today, you can check into that at the Next Steps table. We've got groups that meet on different days of the week, all over the city, different ages, married, single, kids, no kids, anything that that you could want, the people that you want to put yourself in community with, we would love to talk to you about that. Maybe many of you have been hanging out for a while and you've said, I feel like there's more. I feel like I could contribute. I feel like there's a way that, that I could give these gifts that God has given me. We have many opportunities for that. And I don't say that as a guilt trip, but I want you to know this. We have some some big plans that are coming up. Easter is around the corner, and Easter is a Sunday where, where people are interested in going to church. Other weeks of the year, maybe not so much, but on Easter, people love to come to church. And we're in need of, of people who can stand at the doors, just as we heard from Kathy's testimony today, and smile at them and say, hey, I'm glad you're here. We're in need of people that can help us make coffee so that people don't think that we're weird Christians that are trying to talk them into a cult or something, but just so they can know that we're normal and we want to celebrate their life and celebrate who Jesus is with a cup of coffee and a smile. We're in a place that we're experiencing growth and we're experiencing numbers and an influx of people and our first impressions team could, could use some volunteers right now. And so maybe you've wondered, well, I don't know if I want to do this, and I can't sing like those people on stage, and I'm, I'm not strong enough to put the stage away. I can't lift the speakers. Where can I fit? What can I do? We would love to have you volunteer with first impressions right now. Because the, the same way that, that you were greeted your first time here, the same way that you were invested in your first time here, the same way that someone offered you a cup of coffee, smiled and said, hey, I'm Mark, what's your name? We want you to be able to pay that forward and invest that in others. And so if you've been hanging out for a while and you know this is your home, but you're wondering where do you fit and what does that look like, I would challenge you to to go to the Next Steps table today and say, I want to serve. I want to be on a volunteer team. I want to change others' lives. I want to make them feel welcome like I was made to feel welcome. That's something that's, that's been on my heart this week because I know that there's a need as we look forward. My prayer has been that, that there will be 10 people in this room that will say, you know what, I've been here for a while and I'm looking for a place to belong. I, I want to be on that team. My prayer has been that, that 10 people will sign up for, for first impressions today. If it's nine, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to doubt God, but it, it's a need and, and something that I think that, that God wants to do in us this spring. And maybe, maybe as you think about a Zoe life, maybe you realize that you're keeping this Zoe life, this full life that Jesus has given you to yourself. And so maybe as we said that we need to regularly speak the gospel and, and change the world, that connected with your heart. Maybe you've realized that, that you've, you've been a Christian, but people don't know that. That's not something you speak about, something that you talk about, something that's broadcast with your words. And so maybe the way that you can provide fullness of life this week is to simply brag to, to talk about who Jesus is and, and how great he is. That doesn't make you cocky. It just means that you're glorifying him. Maybe you need to say, and this is who I used to be. This is what my life used to be, just like these girls did up here today, and say, this is who Jesus is, and this is how he's changed me. To have a fullness of life, you have to be conscious of what makes your life great, and Jesus is what makes our life great. So I wanted to highlight those things today, offer you those chances to have a Zoe life, to have a life that's full, to have a life that's great, to have a life that's rooted and found in Jesus, a life that he offers us. 
If you have any questions about a relationship with Jesus, questions about things you heard today, you can check out the Next Steps table, and we would love to talk to you more there. As we uh, finish up for the week, let me pray, and we'll have a few uh, announcements that we'd like to highlight. Lord, thank you for the celebration of today. God, thank you for the chance that we had to, to be together and to celebrate, Lord, that, that we were all lost, that we are lost and yet we are found in you. Lord, thank you for a chance to celebrate baptism in a public way and be excited about what you're doing in our midst. Lord, I, I thank you for those girls. I thank you for their stories. I thank you for the way that many in this room contributed to their stories, maybe without even knowing it. God, I pray uh, that as we, as we go today, Lord, that we will look at our life and we will ask, are we seeking more? Are we seeking quantity? Are we seeking quality? God, I pray that we will, we will pursue a Zoe life, that we'll pursue a full life, a rich life, and a life that's found in you. God, help us to focus on you this week, to focus on who you want us to be and how you're working in us. Lord, it's in your name.